Welcome to Focus on Women, a platform we created to help support all women in the photography and video arena. From photographers and directors to producers and creative directors, stylists to assistants and more. Our mission is to give women a seat at the table and involve them in community through networking events, workshops, mentoring, and mentorship. You are listening to season three of our podcast. I never thought we would get here. Thank you to all who made it happen. Mostly our fabulous producer, Shelly Waldman. Please keep listening and tune in. Every Thursday, we launch new episodes. Thanks. Hi, this is Tracy Tarek, the founder of Focus on Women, and today's guest is Nan Whitney, an amazing interior and prop stylist, also creative and art director based here in San Francisco and New York City. Nan's work includes clients that are hospitality, architects, interior designers, and also some really well-known brands like Williams-Sonoma, Pottery Barn, Target, and many, many more. I'm thrilled to get a chance to chat with her and hear how she got started. So welcome, Nan. How are you? I'm good, Tracy, and thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. So we want to hear, you know, how you how you got to where you are. Where did you start? Did you go to school for art? Where's your Um, passion? Did I come from a family of designers? My grandmother was a clothing designer in New York City. My grandfather was an architectural designer. My mother was a fit model in New York City, so I was wow. sort of pushed towards fashion. <laughs> and that's what I went to school for. And the way I got into this business, I had a very dear friend who had a big clothing catalog shoot coming up, and she got sick. At that time, I was designing my own clothing line for Bergdorf's and uh, Bendel's in New York City. And I was sort of at home and around and she called me in a panic and said, would you please do my shoot for me? And I said, I, I don't know what it's like. I don't know how to do that. And she <laughs> said, it's wardrobe. You know exactly what to do. You just make sure you put the right clothes on the right models and they look fabulous. Wow. I said, okay. So I went and did that for her. And it was a fabulous three days. I had fun. I collaborated. I got to be creative. I got to be adventurous. We were running around, you know, all sorts of lifestyle sort of clothing photography. And so after that, um, the photographer asked me, was I interested in doing another shoot, which was a little... Hmm, you know, not so kosher, considering right. for my friend. Um, <laughs> but so I realized, oh, this is much more enjoyable, as creative, and less stressful than sort of being in the rag trade. So I just sort of morphed right over to that. And so I did shoots for Timberland, Eddie Bauer, L.L. Bean. It was all lifestyle which was you know, sort of where I was at that point, because I had also, I had a four-year-old and a six-month-old. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So a juggle. Yeah, it was, but it was sort of up my alley, you know. Um, and I happened to work with great photographers who really, I was so lucky they taught me. They were great mentors. 
Um, one month, the first woman who ever hired me was Carol Kaplan. And she was a great mentor because she just said, hey, there's something about you. I'm game. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just I worked with her, I think, for probably 12 years and just learned a lot. And there were several other photographers like that as well. I just was super lucky. That's great. And so how did you how did you take the wardrobe and then be, go into prop more propping? Um, that sort of started um, through like with Carol Kaplan. She was doing children a lot. So that was wardrobe for like Carter's, Little Me, you know, Bonpois. And then you would need props. And then we started to need sets. So I would paint, because I'm also a painter. So I would paint these big scenic backdrops on my kitchen floor. (laughs) (laughs) And so then that just sort of added another layer as Mm -hmm. we went along. And then a really good teacher great photographer, Clint Clemens, he shot cars. He shot people in cars, in Volvos, in Toyotas, in Lexus, in Volkswagens. And he was a demanding teacher I learned a lot from because it was like, okay, make sure the models are dressed, 5.30 this morning, ready to go. And then he'd look at me and go, I need a boat. You need to get me a boat. Or I need four old wooden ladders with moss on them. And I'd be like, okay, that's not my job. (laughs) But you know how on set, it is your job. That just sort of morphed into props. And then I discovered I really loved doing that. And so I was doing props for those kind of shoots. And then sort of I would do props with food stylists as well, tabletop. And then I would start, it started to go into like Pottery Barn where you have merchandise and you are now doing rooms. And so I went from clothes to props to rooms. (laughs) And I still do props and I still do rooms, but I don't do clothes anymore. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Wow, yeah. So your career has spanned all, almost all realms of styling except for food actual yep. food styling. Yep. Um, yep. And I would imagine that you've seen a, a big change through the years, but of um, the industry in general, obviously in the market that we're in now, we have an even bigger challenge ahead of us. But um, what stood out um, to me from your story a little bit was that you never assisted, right? You just no. went straight into being a stylist and then people who loved your work just would call you. And I think that that's a key thing that's changed in our industry in the last few years is that doesn't really happen as much anymore. Right. I mean, there aren't these huge catalog shoots happening, you know, in multiples, like it used to be in the nineties or early two thousands. And, and that's when you would, if you were on set and they liked you, you just kept getting called back. And I think a lot of newer artists, who might be listening don't even you know understand how that works right right yeah I think it is different I notice I mean a lot of the work that I'm doing now is architectural shoots and there are still some catalog shoots that I do and a little bit of advertising I mean that has all changed um, and I think it's harder I think it's 
harder for, first of all, there's a lot more stylists out there. Um, there's a lot more people who want to be stylists. And I think there's a lot less opportunity in some ways to be able to learn the breadth of what you do. Um, And to also be able to work collaboratively with multiple people and multiple talents, which I feel really grateful and really lucky that I got to do that because it feels like my education went very deep, you know, very sort of into the fabric of who I was and meshed with, you know, my vision, how I see things, how, how, you know, I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's yeah. Yeah. And do you have, um, sort of your favorite assistants or do you try to, to sort of mentor, the younger generation to move up into that ro- that world that you're in? Yes, I do. Um, and, you know, they've, they change. They change with the client. Um, but, yes, I tend to have in each city, you know, my favorite ones. And then it used to be I could take my assistants with me, you know. Right. I could, if I had a job, you know, in Florida, well, I would just fly my two assistants with me. Right. Right. That doesn't happen so much anymore. You know, now yeah. you work more with local people. But yes, I have ones that if I'm doing tabletop and if I'm doing cookbooks and I'm working with a food stylist, then I have a person with a different aesthetic. You know, they 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 need to be able to work in smaller spaces. They need to, you know, have a lighter touch, things like that. But I do... I'm not a great trainer. Most of my assistants will tell you I'm the kind of stylist that says, hey, Rebecca, could you get me this? And then next thing you know, she's looking at me going, didn't you just tell me to come over here and get this? How come you're over here? (laughs) So it's not my strong point. Um, You know, I do, I do try and let them learn also. Yeah. You know, that fine balance when you've got a client there and they want to see something, you know, you feel the pressure to get it done, but you also feel the pressure to not leave your assistants just standing there looking like they don't know what they're doing. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit more about, um, once you went into the more prop side of things, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know, not only are you prop styling, but you're building sets or probably also depending on the client, but like Pottery Barn who has their own set designers, but or set builders, you're helping to design the set, I would imagine. And that sort of is a natural transition then to art direction and giving more creative direction and looking at the bigger picture, not just yeah. being the role of a prop stylist. Yeah. yeah. And how, how does that, how has that worked out for you in terms of, um, I mean, I would think it's a great bonus because you have so much experience and everyone wants a stylist who could (laughs) self-direct. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's been great for me. I think one of my first shoots that I started as an art director was L.L. Bean. And that was good for me. I think, I hope, good for them um, because it was another... um, another eye 
a different eye. Um, and I think it's, it's a great connection when you allow a stylist to direct because there's two ways, well, there's several ways to be a stylist, but there's two main ways that I have found that work. One, you try and understand clearly the client's direction, what they want to see, what the outcome is they want. And then you try and run that through your filter to present it that way. Sometimes that works and they go, <laughs> yes, fabulous. Other times they want you there, but they really have their idea and they want you to do that. But if they will let you, you know, bring your vision to fruition, it's great because I have the ideas, I have the vision, so you might as well let me ask the photographer to move a little bit more to the right or be collaborative with the photographer and have them say, you know what, let's just shoot this lower. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, and it's just been, it's been a bonus. Um, I don't get to do it as much in catalog shoots because they tend to have their own art directors. Um, but in doing like cookbooks, the photographers that I've worked with, a lot of times we don't have an art director. You know, we have, we need this on this page and it needs to be this size and that type of thing. But the art directors, I mean, the photographers I've worked with are very collaborative. So it's like, hey, how do you see this? And so then I can just say, well, you know, and I can explain my whole vision and it gets to be a back and forth and you realize, yeah, you really have control over sort of how you see things as well as other layers of other people. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think what's interesting. I, I started my career at Williams Sonoma in-house and um, way back <laughs> in the nineties. And uh, in those days, it, you know, like you, the first time I went on set, I was like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be doing my whole life, you know, right. like producing and art directing. That just all was my jam. And I think it's because from that environment of like, it was always a collaboration. It was always um, people were well connected to each other. They, you know, you were with people for weeks on end, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you traveled together and you had dinner together and, you know, you became kind of like a family. Um, yeah. And I, I think the role of a prop stylist is, is always so interesting because it, you have to sort of learn over time maybe how to assert yourself a little bit and, and be collaborative and not be afraid to say like, oh, if you came a little bit more to the left, it would look better. Or, you know, how do you, how do you work up that courage as a prop stylist? Just, is mm -hmm. that just over time? that you hone that skill? Or do you think that's something that some people have intuitively? Um, I have, well, I have sort of two thoughts or two answers to that. The way I basically learned to do that was learning to be less afraid. You know, you would come in and as a stylist, you're shopping and you shop from, for me, I shop from the information my client has given me and I also just shop from my gut. I mean, my assistants used to laugh because I could walk in a store and within 30 seconds know there was nothing in that store I was interested in. And we would just turn around and walk out and they'd be like, but you didn't go in. I don't need to go. 
(laughs) You know, so you have that information that you're shopping with, but then you, and then you bring it to set. And I think that's where different temperaments, different personalities sort of can bear more of a brunt or less of a brunt. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty clear internally on my vision, what I've gotten. And I just had to learn when there were bigger powers that would say to me, well, I'm not sure I like that color. I would have to just go, okay, breathe, just breathe. (laughs) You know, this is still what you think is going to look the best there. And so you, you have to figure out how to communicate that. And some people are better, you know, at it than others. I mean, I've had a few assistants that were so, excuse me, ballsy. I was so envious. (laughs) I thought, I want to grow up and be just like you. (laughs) Um, You know, but I think it's it's also an understanding of human nature Mm -hmm. and communication. And how do you communicate to your client or to your art director so that they don't feel threatened so that they don't feel like you are trying to undermine them or change their point of view, but that this was the vision that you saw that you felt through the information you got from your client. Right. Yeah. 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 I would imagine you probably had those times when you've shown up and they suddenly throw a curveball or say, this isn't at all what I thought you were going to be bringing. Yeah, I've had that once or twice. Mm -hmm. I do remember sort of, I do remember telling my art director the whole vision and they were like, yeah, read on, sounds great. And then a merchant came in after about, you know, I'd been working on this for four and a half hours and it was probably around 2.30 in the afternoon and was, I thought, looking great. And they came in and went, why is it that color? And why do we have this furniture? This is all wrong. <laughs> so oh God. my heart just sank and it was like, okay, let's just, just take a breath, you know. And <laughs> what it was is not necessarily that it was wrong, but somebody had a different idea. Or, which I'm sure you remember, um, Sometimes people don't know until they see it. And then they don't know if that is what it was they wanted, which is what they told you, or this is what had been laid out and called for. And then you set it all up and they don't like the way it looks. Right, right. And that's not personal. It just is for some people who are not visual in their heads. They, it just became concrete and they were like no wrong color wrong design wrong layout wrong furniture we need to start over again yeah yeah those are moments of pause big pause (laughs) (laughs) right right I love that it was a merchant I think it's always a merchant (laughs) who comes in suddenly and is like that's the wrong product where did you get that from (laughs) yeah yeah and there's a lot of you know internal thoughts that that go on Exactly. But I think what makes a good stylist, or at least for me, when I was in the role of being an art director years ago, my favorite stylists were the ones who showed up with more than one option. You know, you were already anticipating, and and I know you do this, you already anticipate 
what could happen or what could change. And I'm going to have, you know, six different ideas because then my butt's covered and I don't have to send anyone running out to find something last minute. Right. Yeah. 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 And even for, um, in New York, um, I used to do several projects for interior designers Hmm. and I love doing that. They were really good at the soffits and the lighting and the wall coverings and the carpet and the large pieces of furniture. But a lot of them didn't like to do what were called smalls. They didn't like the books, the pillows, the accessories, the vases, that type of thing. I love doing that because for me, it was a palette that was set up. And then I could just come in and really sort of like finishing, finish buttoning the shirt, you know, yeah. just sort of finish setting it up. And they would always say to me, so we just need one or two books and a vase and some flowers. Right. (laughs) Well, I knew that that wasn't true. (laughs) So, you know, I would show up with a cargo van and (laughs) I'm I'm notorious, I think, for showing up with enough that we could probably have done three or four apartments, but it never fails. You know, you've got everything and you think you're setting it up the way they want. And then somebody will look at you and go, you know, a pink like vase would look fabulous here. And then my assistant will go, do you want me to go and get that pink vase? Yep. (laughs) And it's like, it's buried in the back and it was just a, yeah, there's a lot of colors in this room that pink would be fabulous for. I don't really like pink, but you know what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, it never hurts to be overprepared. Right, overprepared. And I think part of your job is kind of being a mind reader too. Like being able to read, you know, in the meeting or read between the lines of the tear sheets of like what they're really looking at. You kind of have to really understand the brand before you even work for the brand almost. Because like you said, some people don't know until they're there what they really want. Yeah. And then then what? (laughs) You know, I think you have to understand the brand as much as you can. And then you also, for me, I want to understand the players that I'm with because I can understand the brand, but you know, through working with catalogs, you could have been on a shoot shooting the same merchandise, but with three different art directors, you're going to have three entirely different looks. Right. And so that's another thing. It's like that's another filter that you have to go through and you have to know, okay, I know this art director likes things really clean, really graphic, straight on. Oh, this art director loves tons of stuff. Like the more I put in here, the happier they are. It's still the same product, but it's a different vision through a different set of glasses. Right. That you have to be prepared for. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes things exciting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, yeah. I mean, I think that your job is, um, you know, just like photography, it's very creative. You're, you're surrounded with other people who are super creative. You're creating this vision. Um, there's got to be a lot of satisfaction in that. Um, yeah. Or you wouldn't have stuck, stuck with it as long as you've stuck with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love, I really do love my job. Um, I love that. I mean, and it's changed over the years because I've been doing this for a long time. Also, <laughs> you know, it used to be 
great adventurous shoots where you flew to somewhere and you stayed in the best hotels and you ate the best food and you know my assistants drank far too much at night (laughs) um but you know that was really fabulous and fun and now you know it's it's a little sometimes more structured the budgets are a little bit lower but I still find the creativity is still there, um, maybe not on as large a scale, mm-hmm. um, but the creativity between individuals is all still there. And that is what I like that people still want to do, even when budgets are lower or even when somebody says, we need you to do 27 shots today, you know, <laughs> 10 that you used to do. Um, Everybody is still creative. Everybody still has a really strong sense of what it is they love about their part in the project. Mm-hmm. And they want to do it well. Yeah. And that is still one of the joys. When that doesn't happen, then it's not so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout out today to my good friend and colleague, Betsy Davison, and her company, Space for Arts. Space for Arts is a global B2B marketplace for professional production spaces, i.e. studios. Its platform presents a vetted inventory of professional production spaces with robust search tools, optimized for the needs of production professionals, supported by communication alerts, which assist in the rapid decision cycles of production. Space for Arts offers a management solution which mirrors entrenched practices, simplifies and automates them, thus providing a powerful time-saving resource to both studio owners and production professionals. By addressing the significant pain points for both sides of the market, Space for Arts will capture a high percentage of available bookings, becoming the industry's default resource for booking and managing production spaces. Think of it as an open table meets Airbnb meets CRM software. It's the perfect solution for professional production space integration. So what, um, let's go back a little bit. It sounds like most of your work was, you know, or your career and your growth of your career was mostly word of mouth, but did you, did you ever have a rep? Were you repped? Yes, I did. I had um, two agents. I had one, I originally started out in Boston. So I had a, I had a really wonderful woman, Barb Ennis, and she was my mm-hmm. agent. And then I had a terrific agent in New York City, Trisha Joyce, and oh, she sure. was my agent for years. And they were, Barb was great because she just somehow found me and I was starting and she would push me a little bit further than where I felt I could go. Um, but I think she knew my personality that I was going to do whatever it took to make sure it got done. So <laughs> I learned a good amount with her. She really sort of pushed me to different types of shoots to do. And then Trisha was great. She was the same. You know, she was just like, you can do this. Yeah, maybe you haven't done this before, but this photographer is fabulous and you know, if you just, just make sure you've got enough stuff and you'll be fine. So I was very lucky, you know, had two great agents. Um, But I also, I just can't 
stress enough, even I wish I could sort of like, you know, in the movie critics, you could put all their names down below. I've just been so fortunate to really work with really fabulous photographers. I mean, that are really, really good at what they do. And, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. Alec Hemer was one photographer I learned so much from because Alec would build these elaborate lighting systems and did the most beautiful work. And I would just watch him and think, oh, and I learned about light Mm -hmm. from him. You know, I learned about, there's another photographer, Thibaut Jensen. We shot hotels and I learned about big productions from him. You know, because we would go into like the Lowe's Hotel in Miami and it was just like, oh, my God, where do I start? Because there's people here also. Right. And um, so I just feel somehow I feel lucky, you know, that 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 these people just sort of entered and I got to follow. Yeah. You know, yeah. And let's talk about what you're doing now. You're doing more, you said, more architectural type of work. Is that with the architects directly? Um, That's with architectural firms directly, yes. So um, a lot of times they will, it's mostly corporate architecture. So it can be luxury condo buildings that might have retail on the bottom, but then, you know, you walk in, it's like a hotel lobby, the the new kind of, you know, architecture for residential right now. And they will need to take pictures either for themselves, for their firm, for their portfolio to get future clients, or the client themselves wants photos of the space for their own advertisement, for their own promotional materials. And so that, again, I'll go in and there's the furniture there, but you know, everything has to be geared towards the camera. So it could be totally perfect walking in to work there or to sit in collaborative spaces and work, but it doesn't work for the camera. So again, props, plants, books, pillows, throws, you know, (laughs) team of five assistants, you know, and you just reorient everything so that it looks the strongest and most powerful for the camera yeah yeah and um i i really like doing that um it's a different type of photography because a lot of times it's it's a little bit more removed it's not as intimate as i i love doing like tabletop i love doing propping for like food stylists because i like to be really in close mm-hmm. uh, but this is another direction another another kind of learning for me where you are pulled back you're looking at the big huge picture Um, and I I like that that's fun because it's also um we tend to shoot on the weekends so there's no people in there which is really great and you know they're in great locations urban ones you know like downtown New York City downtown you know Miami uh downtown LA places Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And let's talk a little bit about the current situation with um, being sheltered in place. And what have you been doing? Um, Because I would imagine like most of us, you've had a lot of downtime (laughs) (laughs) in terms of work. Um, And how are you feeling about that? And how do you stay motivated to, 
you know, cause you know, I mean, um, you like, I have been through other recessions so we're familiar with, yeah. you know, everything typically is cyclical and it will come back, but what keeps you kind of motivated to move forward? Um, well, it's a little, it's a little, um, difficult cause I'm at a friend's house. So when right. I talk to my friends, they are redoing their living room. They complete <laughs> their whole closet, you know, they're doing home projects. Um, I can't do those. Um, and I don't have all of my personal things. So I don't have all my props, all of my tchotchkes, all of my life. Right. So remind um, the viewers, um, why that is. We were talking about that before we were recording, yeah. right? Where were you when COVID broke out? Well, I was in India. I had been in India for two and a half months. And I had moved from New York City recently out here to San Francisco. But I had not found a place to rent yet because I had several jobs on the East Coast. Then was in LA doing something and then went to India. So landed here and two days later, the airport's closed and everything wow. in San Francisco was told to stay in place. But fortunately, I have a fabulous friend and she said, well, you're staying in place here in our guest room. <laughs> so I think what I do to keep myself motivated, I mean, I meditate first, so that's been a great thing. I walk endlessly all over this city. I mean, I'm staying in Pacific Heights. I have walked to Baker Beach. I have walked to Land's End. <laughs> I have walked downtown to the Ferry Building. Wow. So walking is definitely um, keeps me sane. Yeah. And, you know, then I just, I love to take crazy photos with my phone. And so I'll just you know, leisurely spend, like the other day, I spent three and a half hours downtown. It was very strange because everything is boarded up. There yeah. were no people. Um, but it sort of allowed you the, allowed me the freedom of walking down the middle of the street, you know, taking pictures of clouds past a skyscraper, um, reading, mm -hmm. you know, um, talking to a lot of my friends who were, by themselves and are not great at being alone. I, I love being alone. So it's not too bad for me. <laughs> I'm sort of happy, you know, yeah. in my own little bubble. <laughs> right. But I think it's, um, I think it's difficult for a lot of people because you either, like I had several projects that would be done by now and they're all on hold that I think is difficult. I don't know how you, I haven't figured out how to hold, you know, creativity mm -hmm. until it happens, you know? So I've just sort of let those go and just thought, okay, we just are going to have to revisit that when they come back and yeah, basically release them, you know, right. out there. Right. So, and are you starting to do anything, do some outreach to see what, what might be coming up for you soon? Um, I, I mean, I've talked to my past clients and I know sure. that all the projects we were doing on were on hold. Um, I haven't, and maybe it's foolish on my part, but it feels a little awkward. Like I know that I'm locked in my space. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that probably most people um, are working from home. Like I, 
I have friends that are still working from home, um, working remotely. And so I have heard through the grapevine, shoots are starting, but you know, somebody called me last week for one in Florida. I turned it down because I could not get all the puzzle pieces together. It was fly from here to there, stay in a hotel, go and prop in a different city, transport those props down there. And I just thought, Uh, I'm not sure we're ready to do that yet. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could go into a studio here in San Francisco with my own protocols and the protocols of the studio and communicating with my assistants and the photo and tech team. And I think that could be done because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, and most people who work on shoots, it's a very intimate process. You know, you're, you're the stylist and the art director and the photographer are all with an eye against the camera. So, you know, basically you're breathing all over equipment. Um, you all have your hands on everything, you know, as a stylist, my assistants and me, our hands are all over the props. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it can be done and I think it will be done, but I think it needs to slowly mm-hmm. um, be thought out. Yeah. Yeah. Out so that everybody feels relaxed. Right. Instead of like paranoid, like, oh my God, I need to work. I need to make money. And I'm scared to death that I'm going to get sick. Right. Yeah. That's right. not a good vibe to work during. No, no. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely slowly coming back. And, um, you know, I think that when you are ready to, I feel like everyone has to sort of be in their own space and ready on their own time and not feel pressured to, get themselves out there because like you said, everyone has a different situation. You have different feelings about being sick. Maybe you have different things happening for you that are bad if you got sick. And yeah, I think it's, um, I think first and foremost, it's about taking care of yourself and then, you know, hopefully getting back to work. (laughs) You also want to feel that the precautions have been taken so that you can be creative. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to th- be standing there going, oh my God, I don't know how to pick this up. You know, when I have somebody, a photographer and an art director waiting for something to go in there. Yeah. So that feels like the balance for me that I'm looking for, where I feel like, okay, the studio is doing their best and I'm going to do my best and then we can just do our job. Yeah. And, right. You know, let that flow instead of, stumbling over one another and stumbling over protocols and, and (laughs) sort of freezing in midair. Right. Right. And I mean, if your props aren't local, I think it would be hard. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know Potter Barn has started back, but I think they're using people who have, you know, their own huge prop warehouse that belongs to them. So they are fortunate in that way, right. That they don't have to worry about buying and returning or all those things, tips of the trade that, Sort of right right now, they don't exist, right? Right now, they don't exist because most stores are still not open here Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Um, Prop houses in New York, I know because I get their emails all the time. You basically they want you to shop online, you can't come in and just walk through there, right? You know, and that's the easiest sort of sources. So when you don't even have that here in San Francisco, I think, yes, the stylists that are here 
like Claire Mack, Alessandro Matola. I think um, they have their own things. So yeah. it works for them. But no, you can't go and rent something now or you can't go and buy and then return it because right. people are afraid of where it's been, who it's been with. Exactly. Those yeah. ways aren't, you know, Amazon is the only one you can do that because <laughs> there's some amorphous blob up in the sky there. <laughs> you can just send it all back from right. where it comes from. Right, right. So, yeah. 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 Well, I guess in closing, we like to try to ask sort of tips and tricks or any kind of advice that you want to shout out, you know, that you have found that's worked for you in your career that would mm-hmm. help younger people. Um, obviously, this is not the best time to get started <laughs> in prop styling if you yeah. haven't already been established. But yeah. um, but words of wisdom from someone who's, you know, had an amazing career and will continue to have a career. Um, what are things that you wish someone had told you? Hmm. I wish that somebody had told me and I would tell somebody else um, to, and this might sound too ethereal, um, to ground yourself first to be very clear the vision that your client sees. You know, I know that you're creative, you're a stylist, but it isn't about you. It is really about your client. It is about the product and it is about your twist on it, your take on it, but you can't do that unless you are clear on their direction. Um, And then, to ground yourself and trust your take on what they've told you. You know, you have, you have your inner vision or you wouldn't want to be doing this. You know, you have your inner sort of visuals. Um, and I think just that will evolve over time. And the more you trust yourself um, and, and also look at, the end of each shoot and really be clear with yourself. Okay. What worked? What didn't work? What didn't I bring? What should I have brought? Um, That's great that advice. Just, yeah. That just helps you the next time around. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, gosh, thank you so much for your time. It was so nice oh, to get welcome. to see your face and finally meet you in person, so to speak. Yes, nice to meet you in person as well, having, you know, known of you. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And will you tell the listeners where they can see your work, how to find you? Yes, you can see my work on my website is nanwhitney.com. And on Instagram, it's Nanette Whitney. Great. So you can see my work on both. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please remember to check us out at focusonwomen.org. Make sure to listen to more episodes on iTunes and Spotify and leave us a review. And we hope you'll stay safe and keep your creative juices flowing.